The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Superdraft, fun new daily fantasy website. You don't have to worry about pricing. You play the players you want. It's an exclusive multiplier format. So in, in theory, the cheaper the guy that would be on your DraftKings sites, the more multipliers he gets. Like Justin Verlander on Thursday nights, a 1x guy. But Tyler Molle at $6,200 on DraftKings is 2x. So you take the gamble where you want or you don't. It's as simple as that. It's a great new format. Go check it out. Use promo code Bubba and you get a free $10 on top of any deposit of $10 or more. On your first deposit of $10 or more, you get a free $10. They also have a $125,000 guaranteed prize pool for this NFL Week 2 action like they did last weekend. Tons of overlay in that one. So come join us over at Superdraft. The guys are loving it. Use promo code Bubba for a free $10 on your first deposit of $10 or more. If you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it for Bench with Bubba. It would help out a ton. But until next time, this is Bench with Bubba episode 211 with our buddy Joe Gentile of FakeTeams.com talking about some 2020 early projections he's made comparing to the two early mocks and much, much more. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 211 we're going to talk some 2020 fantasy baseball action some rankings and in order to do so i have a returning guest of the podcast you can find his work over at fake teams he's on twitter at joe gentile ft joe how are we doing man i'm doing great how are you good 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 to have you back on the show um talk some 2020 action you've been busting the rankings out there you've been busting a bunch of polls out there uh, we get your thoughts on some of those as we get going. Uh, a lot of fun stuff, like you said uh, before we started recording. This is one of your funnest uh, times of the year, you're saying. So um, it's going to be fun to, to chat it up with you on this one. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, before we get going on, we have a couple bits of news. We're not going to go deep on news these days as injuries are injuries, but there's a few we want to talk about. 
before we get into that, I, I mentioned fake teams and everything, but let everybody know again what you got going on over there, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. And recently, we just put out the uh, rankings and projections for the top 300. Hoping to have the top 500 here probably around the time of the playoffs. So, uh, got, a, got a bunch of ranking and projections to do. Probably like 800 players. Oh, man. That's going to be a fun time coming up for you. Sounds like lots of lots, 800 players by Atlanta. That's a, that's a doozy. Um, before we get into the 2020 discussion, let's talk about a couple injuries that did take place. And it sucks, especially because in season-long leagues, if you're in the playoffs right now, they're not putting these guys on the IL most likely. They're done for the year. And we'll start with Christian Yellick. He's battling back problems all year, but still putting up another MVP caliber campaign. 44 homers, 30 stolen bases. He's doing it all. And he's out now as he fouled the ball off his knee and fractured his kneecap. They're saying no surgery required, but it's it's a shame. Um, what's your thoughts on this? And if you know you had to hit the waiver wire, do you have any suggestions? Because it's bleak these days. Uh, let's see. Let's pull out my outfield rankings. Um, yeah, that, see, I'm a Brewers fan, so that one hit me really hard. Um, but uh, let's see. Sorry, I'm trying to see who's available on the waiver wire. No problem. Probably guys like Philip Irvin, Lewis that got called up from uh, Seattle just off the top of my head. Those would be a couple, but there's probably some better options than that. Oh, I love Philip Irvin. I think that's a possible 2020 guy for you. Um, nice. Yeah, probably decent average. He actually made my uh, top uh, – my five-tool fantasy players because he's got – Good uh, plate discipline. He's got good power, good speed, um, good launch angle. The only problem is uh, just needs to make a little bit more contact, and he's above average in every single category. Are you now, worried with Phil? Real quick, with Philip Irvin, are you worried that it seems like they just have him in a strict platoon? Do you ever think there's a chance going forward that they might give him the everyday gig? Um, that I mean, the Reds had so many outfielders, but. I was looking at it the other day, and I think there's a chance he is able to break into that starting uh, starting role, maybe at least in 2020. Um, but, I mean, you got Winker, Aquino, Senzel, and Irvin, so it's going to be tough for him. But, I'd like, um, Iglesias, the Senzel moving to center field thing's a little weird. I mean, you got Iglesias and Galvez in the middle infield. So I feel like if I was the Reds, I would rather have Irvin instead of one of those guys, but they seem to really like Senzel in center. Yeah. And for some weird reason, I'm not sure, but like you said, they have the, the middle infield taken, taken care of for now, but maybe going forward next season, we'll see some changes. Uh, any other guys stand out to you as possible uh, fixes for the hole that Christian Yellick leaves in your fantasy team? How about a uh, Trent Grisham? With Yelich out now, that's a possible 2020 player. And uh, he really broke out on the scene this year. Yeah, no, he looked real strong. He went deep uh, the first game after Yelich left. So that that's not a bad one as well. I mentioned Kyle Lewis. You do a lot of prospect or young player stuff. What are your thoughts on Kyle Lewis? He homered in his first two games up here. He's, he was a highly touted prospect, um, been banged up in the minors, but they're giving him this shot here in September. Uh. I'm not too excited. Um, he's got some power and uh, 
with that, though, comes uh, a lot of swing and miss in his game. So he's probably going to drain your batting average, and he doesn't steal much. So you may just be looking right now like a 20, 25 home run guy. But long-term, it'll be interesting. Um, All right. Let's go to uh, Shohei Otani. This news came down about an hour ago. He's having knee surgery. Um, he'll be ready for spring training. It's not going to affect his rehab, but just if anybody owns him, he's out for the year. Um, what's your expectations? We'll get into your rankings here in a little bit, but a guy like Shohei Otani that should be back on the mound next year. He's still hit very well um, in this limited action this season. Uh, 18 homers, hit 286 and 425 plate appearances. What's your thoughts on a Shohei next year? Hopefully a healthy year, possibly going pitching and hitting yet again. Yeah, uh have they decided if they're going to pitch him and hit him yet? Um, I'm uh, guessing they, they are. Seen, they, I'm, I'm assuming they are. They haven't seen anything official for 2020. I'm assuming they will. I mean, this is a guy, since he's got pitching and hitting, we talk about five-category players. I mean, this is a dude that could technically be a nine-category player because you're not counting. He doesn't get saves. But, um, I mean, technically with the player rate or how it works out, this could be the number one player in fantasy if he stays healthy. Um, he's got tremendous raw power uh he does have some swing and miss but i believe he's improved his contact rate this season and he's going to get such a high bat bip that he's still going to be a 270 hitter and pitching i think he's a better pitcher than hitter which is really saying something because right now i have him projected for 11 k's per nine next season a 3.4 era and a 1.2 whip i mean dude could be a fantasy ace and also give you 15 uh, home runs and 10 stolen bases with 270 batting average, which makes them really valuable in uh, daily leagues. Yeah. He can be super valuable. If they, everyone has to check their leagues and maybe it'll change next year. I just know different formats. They have two Shohei Otani, some formats you have to pick one or the other. Some lets you play them all uh, in those leagues where you can play them all. Like there's legit, like in a, in a league where you can play him, I know we're kind of wavering from the news here, but in a league where you can play him at both positions, is he a first round draft pick for you? No, just, I mean, if you told me he was healthy, maybe, but okay. no, just because his injury history, I mean, he's only played two years, but he's been injured both seasons. Um, so that scares me off a little bit, but I mean, I'm excited. What His production, what he's going to give you, I'd be fine with taking him. If you're in a 15-team league, you can take him in the second round. I'm fine with that, um, especially in a daily league. Now, weekly leagues like in a PGFBI or something like that, I'm probably pushing him down a little bit because you're only going to be able to start him in one position, and I'll probably have him put in as pitcher if he's pitching. So he loses some value, but definitely – even a one like even if you can just start him at pitcher or just start him at hitter, he's still valuable either way. Yeah, definitely because your projections, the way the baseball, the bouncy ball took effect this year, and overall pitching numbers, the three forty RA is elite in this era of baseball. So that's big boy stuff, and it's and it's pretty accurate considering what we've seen him do when healthy. A lot to like there is Shohei Otani. So for those that were curious, he is out for the rest of the year, but not going to be affecting his his rehab, and he should be good to go start of spring training. Uh, Hunter Renfro, he's going to be missing uh, uh, likely the rest of the season. It's uh, just a bit of time. Had a good season going. We saw some power from him. 
kind of died off towards the end, and maybe it was injury-related. On the flip side, Will Myers is heating up again and getting conversations going from people thinking, okay, is it is, is it Will Myers' time again, which we've heard that conversation a million times, Joe. Um, first off, what's your thoughts on Hunter Renfro? You know, people have wanted him to be this guy. He had some flashes of it this year. Overall, still just kind of a mediocre year to me. Do you, What do you see with Hunter Renfro going forward? Uh, I think we're looking at a guy with tremendous raw power, but someone that probably won't offer much of anything else. I kind of see like a 240 batting average, but the potential to hit 40 home runs. Um, my problem with him and basically any other Padres outfielder is that they are just stacked in outfield. Like even with the Framo Reyes trade, they still got a lot of good outfielders coming up and through the minors and on the team currently. Well, yep, that would make a big difference. Speaking of other outfielders they have, I mentioned Will Myers there. Um, it's, it's always frustrating people that want to buy into Will Myers, but he's actually playing well again to finish the season here. What's it going to take for you? To, are, are you going to buy in again next year? Are you a Will Myers believer? Are you like a guy like me? I'm kind of, you know what? I, I see the, the upper tier outcome he could give you, but him getting there is, is so difficult to watch at times. I stay away from him. What's your thoughts on, uh, on Will Myers? Well, I was really big on him coming into the season because I saw he improved his contact rate. And so that kind of fooled me because this season he dropped that by 7% and just has a 33% uh, strikeout rate. So I got burned there. But um, we still, we're still going to see, and we're seeing it this season with the home runs and stolen bases, he's got 30-30 potential. Probably more realistically, I'm thinking like 30-20, but still really good. He's just got to work on that contact skill. He's going to get a high bat bip. He like if he if he could get it, he doesn't even have to like get it to average. If he can just get it to like 25, 24%, dude's a top 100 fantasy player again. Yeah, no, that's true. That's the thing with his power speed combo. There is definite appeal there. I just can never find what I'm going for, but we'll see. Maybe if the price is right, he'll get me again next year, especially with speed being such a tough thing to find these days. Uh, last piece of news here, Giants closer Tony Watson has a slight fracture in his wrist in his pitching hand, which is obviously not good. He'll be out, if not 10 days, probably out for the rest of the year. I don't see why they'd, they'd push that one much much farther. Um, I wanted to bring it up because Sean Anderson got a save the other night. He was the closer in college. Um, he looked absolutely filthy with his slider. Do you have any, any say on this Giants bullpen situation? It doesn't help they don't win a lot of games, but... If you're looking for a, maybe three saves the rest of the year, you might be able to find them there. And I don't, I don't even know with a team like the Giants. There, I was trying to figure out some teams' uh, closers when I was doing the rankings and projections, and I think there was like two or three teams I just threw in the towel. I was like, I'm just gonna wait a couple months. If it's Anderson, I'm not too excited. Um, he does give up a good amount of contact going to have like an average walk rate and uh, probably give up maybe 1.2 home runs per nine. So nothing I'm too excited about. Um, what's the deal with uh, Will Smith? Is he, uh... He's been, he's been banged up as well. So that's like Tony Watson's got the, the, the wrist deal on his throwing hand. Will Smith's just kind of battling injuries. So they've been resting him. He still could come back and, 
obviously make a major impact here towards the end of the season. But they're letting other guys get saves right now. And I don't think they want to hurt these guys if, if they don't need to type deal. So it's really, really weird right now. Yeah, that I'm looking at that bullpen right now. That is uh, – I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brian, but that's just not a good bullpen. <laughs> no, it is not. I don't fault you there at all. It is a, a rough go for sure, especially after trading Melanson and Dyson, who might not be the greatest guys in the world, but they got the job done for the Gigantes when they were there. So, yeah, massive holes for the Giants, no doubt about it. All right, let's get into these 2020 rankings you have here over there at faketeams.com. Really cool stuff here. Um, first off, just why don't you explain? You said how excited you are about this time of year. What is it about looking ahead to 2020, this work you're doing here, really awesome stuff. What is it that you like so much about it? Like, what do you, what do you find interesting? Like, do you find little nuggets that kind of open your eyes to things? What is it? Like, what's the process for all this? Yeah, um, I just really – it's almost like gambling, trying to predict the future. And it, it, I just love seeing how it turns out. Um, really right now I can't do it, but usually once the season ends, I have a stat cast projection algorithm that based on, uh, it splits it out into five, five different categories of launch angle and five categories of how hard a ball is hit. And based on that, it will give me a projected value. Um, I haven't been able to do that yet because the season's not over, but I even put out on Twitter today. I was like, I don't know if I should even do it because I don't, the bad at ball data is so messed up right now with the ball. I don't know what, like if I need to fix something with the algorithm or what, because everything is just so weird right now. I, I don't even know how many players hit 30. I think, it, I think 30 players might have like 30 home runs or something. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous this year. How many guys have we're gonna have? Both, we we might have multiple fifty home run guys this year. Like it's it's really really crazy how it's all getting broken down. In that same respect, you said you might not do it for the hitters. Well, how do you assess that when it comes to pitching? Because it's almost the same thing as you know ERAs are inflated and all these other things because of this bouncy ball we're seeing. I think what I'm gonna do is like I'm gonna half juice the ball, half not and just kind of cut down the middle. So like if the ball is juiced or isn't juiced, I didn't put myself in a hole either way. Um, and I feel like I like Mike Trout, 45 home runs. That seems reasonable. Um, Acuna, I have a 40. So I don't think it's anything too outlandish, but I just wish they'd let us know what the ball is going to be like each year. That would make my life a lot easier. Yeah. That's the thing is because, I, I, like you just said, there was, it was a couple of years ago, we thought we had the bouncy ball. And then the following year, they brought the normal ball back and it was back to reality. And then now the bouncy ball is back in even more of a bouncy way. So it, it, like part of me wants to say is maybe we should just relax because they might bring it back at the same time. Like, I think they love seeing all these home runs and putting butts in seats and it makes people happy. So it's a, it's a really interesting uh, development here. When you're making these rankings, First yeah. off, how many years? How many years have you been making rankings like this? Um, I've technically been making rankings since I was like nine, but uh, for like putting it out in the public, this is my third year, I believe. Nice. My my first year was Mitch Hanger's breakout year, so I believe that's three years. Um, nice. So you've been making rankings with all these projections and everything since you were nine. Yes, I, I've. I was very into it. Yeah, I was a little. 
a little too crazy, but <laughs> I'd say it's, it, it's pretty awesome though. And, uh, this could be me being dumb, but I'm looking at your rankings page here. Uh, the sheets you sent me is um, PR stand for player rating. Uh, yeah, player rater. And okay. with that player rater, it's different because the normal player rater, how it looks at it, takes the whole – if a player gets one plate appearance, he's being put in the player rater, which kind of skews data a little bit because why am I comparing Mike Trout to – a guy that had one at bat and had zeros in his categories because that guy's not going to play on a fantasy team. So what I had to do was I had to try and figure out like each player in the starting position on a normal fantasy team and then take those numbers and then make a player writer out of that. And I did it for a 15 team league, just normal roster settings and all that. And so like the numbers on the player writer, you'll see a lot of guys are negative, but that's why, because it's comparing it to the guys that are playing on fantasy teams, not just the guys that are um, like just on the waiver wire. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to ask very few catchers questions because no one's that excited. And it was a crazy year with um, how many catchers like got the job done. But one thing I will, one more thing before we get more player specific, you're using 700 plate appearances. I know a lot of the projection sites we see on fan graphs use six, six fifty. What is it you see with 700? Is it uh, something that kind of pops to you more when you break it down, or is it just a number you picked? Just the number I picked, just because okay. the max amount of play appearances usually players get is like usually around 710. So I just put the max for everyone, and then I'll gotcha. play around with it once I get more details on lineups and stuff. All right. Now, um, I can talk about any player I want, right? It's no secret to anybody. Is that, are we good there? Go for it. Okay, cool. Um, Williams Astadio is your number one catcher. <laughs> I am a uh, – I love El Tortuga. I'm a huge El Tortuga fan. I think I had him ranked ninth in my catchers coming into the season, and people thought I was crazy. For a while there, it looked genius. Then he got hurt, and then he went to the minors. And, yeah, kind of – I think I lost that that deal there. But would you – like, how would you use your projections here? Because, like, you have Astadio, Dalton Varsho, who's a very, very good prospect – uh, but then you have Wilson Ramos, Riamuto, Danny Jansen, who led a lot of us down with the talents there. Gary Sanchez. Like, you have a lot of big names there. But then, like I said, you have Varsha, you have Austin Allen. You have some guys mixed in there where you kind of makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit. When you enter your draft room, how do you differentiate this? Or do you go, this is my system. These are my guys. It's like the next best available. This is where I'm going. Um, kind of. Uh, with these, obviously, Astadio is not going to be ranked as my first catcher or Varsha. Um, because of the playing time concerns and where they're going to be drafted. I'm going to be able to wait till like pick 250. But um, I usually doing this, I am able to find the value and players I want to wait on. Um, sadly, with Varsho and Astadio, I, they're playing, they might only get like 200 play appearances next season. But Astadio, I just love them. That contact profile is amazing. And I don't know if you know this, but I swear he's got some good raw power, too. He can hit 25 home runs. Yeah, I agree. If he, if he hits 25 home runs and has a 290 average, he will be, depending on the play appearances, he will be the number one catcher, I think. Now, now maybe you said these things already, and I apologize if I repeat or ask a question multiple times, but 
for me, I love looking at these projections. Like I nerd out all off season between I'll probably utilize these. And now that I have them, but um, like I use steamer and all these other ones. Like I just get, I just go down rabbit holes looking at things. Um, will you eventually factor in playing time and adjust these and, and have like a new set of rankings put out there? Yeah. Usually like halfway through the off season, I'll be able okay. to get a good idea on plate appearances and stuff. And so I'll kind of project it that way. But right now I just kind of, I won't say sloppily, but like I just did for home runs. I did an increments of like three or 2.5, I guess. Um, and same with bat bips. I'm not being too precise right now, but once I get like halfway through the off season, I'll get more precise with it and I'll have like a final ranking and all that. Yeah, no, I think this is a, a great tool because even if you leave them at 700, one thing you could probably use these for, and tell me if I'm wrong, if you're going into a first-year dynasty draft, like all of a sudden maybe Dalton Varsho is the second catcher off the board. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Varsho, there was talks about him moving to outfield, though, so I'll be curious about that, um, I believe because of his arm. But Varsho, I mean, he's – got 2020 potential and can put up a decent batting average. So for catcher position, that's awesome. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, let's go to first base. Now let's have some fun with some, some of the big boys here. You have Cody Bellinger at a player rating of 8.11. And, uh, Freddie Freeman's second at 3.6. Um, Cody Bellinger had a banana season. We know this. He's still in the middle of it. Freddie Freeman's not having a bad season himself. When you, um, when you look at these, and it's what your projections say, but do you really feel that Bellinger is that much farther ahead than Freddie Freeman? Because if you do, it's totally fine. Free, uh, Bellinger's like a top four pick right now. Freddie Freeman's back of the first round and some of these two early mocks. But is that how you feel about these, just out of curiosity? Yeah, I think it's about that. Um, the difference looks really severe, but really it's like a round difference. Um, it's just the elite players that like are five categories like the Trouts, the Bellingers, the Yelliches, it just boosts their numbers so much higher than everyone else's. But um, I'm a little concerned with Freeman. I haven't gone into uh, what his launch angles have looked uh, looked like this year, but last year it was showing that I believe it was like 15 to 30 degrees, which you can hit a home run, but the probability is a lot shallower. So he's always been a guy that's hit the ball really hard, but he's also been a guy that's more of a line drive guy than a fly ball guy. Now with the new balls, that might be why he found this like huge power surge, but I still got him projected for 33 home runs, which I think he can obviously do. Um, and it could be more. I just don't, that's what I was saying. I don't know how the ball's going to look next year. Yeah. Um, but with Freeman, it's it's the stolen bases, and with this player rater, it shows that stolen bases are overrated, yet also underrated. And it's kind of confusing because it's saying the guys that are like a Bellinger or a Bregman that can get you 10 stolen bases are being undervalued because we're not going to freak out about 10 stolen bases, but it still counts. So if you get a team full of guys with 10 stolen bases, you're good. But it's also showing that the like Billy Hamilton's or the D Gordon's are being overrated because not because of their stolen bases, but because they're not 
going to be RBI producers. They're really not going to be run producers anymore because teams are starting to put them at the bottom of the lineup. They're starting to put their best hitters first. And um, they're not going to have any home runs. And those three categories, they take a major dip, and it shows that they shouldn't even really be drafted. Um, Yeah, that that goes into the whole debate about if they're down in the farther of the order now, that's fewer plate appearances. We've seen Jeff Zimmerman and guys write about that. So that, 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 that's something that needs to factor into their fantasy value as well. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Freeman, I like him. I'm probably not going to own him anywhere, but he's got good raw power. He can be a 300 hitter. Um, the one thing, and this was, I remember three years ago looking at it, the one thing weird with him, I don't know if you've ever looked at his plate discipline stats compared to his walk rates, but he's really aggressive at the plate, but he still gets like, this year he has a 12% walk rate, but he's swinging 50, more than 50% of the time. Interesting. I always thought he was way patient, more, way more patient than that. It's interesting. Yeah. He's always, he's always been for most of his career, 50% swing guy. He doesn't swing out of the zone a lot. So I'm pretty impressed with that, but the pitchers just aren't going to pitch to him. And I think that's why his walk rates are so high. Yeah. They used to not need to, but now you start putting some of these youngsters around and they might be pitching to him a little more these days. So that's pretty good. Yeah, after Freddie Freeman, you got Pete Alonso. He's he's in two early mocks. He's the third guy off the board as well. Going to hit over 50 homers. The next few guys are just interesting to me going into the next season. You got Paul Goldschmidt in a new place in St. Louis. You have him as your fourth right now. He's had an up, not really the greatest of years you'd want from Goldie. You have Rizzo, who's been battling back problems all year. You have the old reliable Jose Abreu. And in between all this, you have a guy that I love, that many love, the Tampa Bay Rays don't love. But Nate Lowe is currently your sixth guy. Now, obviously, like you said, you got to factor in playing time next year and all that good stuff. But if all things considered, what are your expectations from Nate Lowe? If he's the everyday guy at first base, are you thinking 33 homers, 288, that that whole cha-cha there? Oh, yeah. I, I love Nate Lowe. He's got – out. He's got underrated raw power. I know his home run numbers haven't been, like, super impressive, but watching the guy hit and looking at his hard contact rate, you can just rake. Um, he's got decent fly ball rates. He's got decent contact skills. He, did, he does have a 28% strikeout rate right now in the major league level, but that also comes with a 79% contact rate. So that's actually, I believe, above the league average right now. So I had his projected strikeout rate for next season at 21, and I'm going to stick with it. He's got good plate discipline, and he can just hammer the ball. I'm so excited. I got him at pick 189 in the two early mock, and he's my starting first baseman. I just got to hopefully the Rays actually decide to play him and not G-Man Choi. <laughs> I think they might because lately Choi's been playing DH. It's been more Aguilar or or low, so you got to hope they go low. Yeah, two two early mocks right now. His ADP is one ninety six point four. Um, the fact you have him as I believe your what sixth, yeah sixth first baseman off the board. Let's just have some fun with it. How high would you go? I know this is a long ways away. Like you just said, you got him to pick one eighty nine realistically say we know he's gonna be the starting first baseman for the Rays where do you think you're gonna have to jump to take him next year and say a 15 team TGFBI type league I think around probably 170 is where he's gonna go but I'll go all the way up I mean if I figure out that they're actually gonna play him 
I'll go, I'll be fine with taking this at 125. Um, honestly, I'm so excited about Nate Lowe. I'm all in. The raw power is there. And this year we've seen, I said this fantasy year was the year of the scouts because it seems like all the guys that hadn't produced yet that the scouts were really high on, like Moncada or Devers or Giolito, the guys that the scouts kept telling us were really good, produced. So I'm a bet on Nate Lowe's raw skills because, man, I don't know if you saw, I believe it was spring training. He hit a ball like 460 feet or something for a home run. I was just like, I love this dude. I'm, I'm going to get him everywhere. Yeah, he's awesome. I, I I think I bring him up probably almost every other episode I do in some way or another just because I'm like bitter that he's not playing enough. But it's like, yeah, it's great when he's in the minor leagues. I see every other day someone retweets a home run from Durham. It's it's amazing. It'd be great if he was in a Tampa Bay outfit, but he's not. So, um, yeah, the, the kid is very, very good. Uh, before we move off of first base, there's a ton of great guys. You got Vogelbach rating pretty high here, which will be good to see him do it back-to-back seasons. Uh, Josh Bell had a huge year. Uh, you still have him ranked up here at about the eighth guy or so. Uh, Guriel, Reese Hoskins rounds out to your top 10 or 11. Are there any other names that kind of stood out to you that are um, maybe this season's not a fluke or that stood out to you more so saying, I might need to jump on them next year. Like this is a legit guy that I'm going to find some serious value at where he's coming out in my projections right now. How about a uh, guy in the minor league? And I don't know early playing time, probably not going to get it with the Angels because they have Otani at DH and they have, sadly, they have pool host. But this kid named Jarrett Walsh, he's really interesting first off because he has like a, he plays first base, but he has like 30 innings pitched in the minor leagues. He has like a 2.25 ERA. Um, But he's got major power and he's got that line drive approach that'll also have a high bat. Um, He has a lot of swing and miss but I see 35 home runs, a 330 bat bip, which is going to, and a 290, or not 290, sorry, 29% strikeout rate, which is going to be good for a 260 batting average. Two, if he gets a full, sorry, let me, if he gets a full amount of plate appearances next season. Now, granted, the playing time, big concern there. He's not a high prospect, so they're probably not going to give it to him. But someone I definitely keep an eye out on next year while he's in the minors or if he makes a major league team. Um, yeah, I, I've heard his name uh, mentioned in some prospect stuff lately. So I would be very excited to see what he could do. And just, yeah, like you said, it's ultra tilting when you have guys like pull holes clogging up the holes. I think eventually pull holes is going to kind of realize he's just taking up space here and kind of get out of the way. He seems like a decent enough guy to kind of put two and two together there, but hey, we'll see. Let's move over to the second base position, talk about a couple guys here. And I love, I love your top guy here. I was just in a, another podcast doing, helping a podcast do a, um, a kind of first three or four round deal. And Cattell Marte went at pick 41 or 42. Right now he's ADP 38 and a half. He's the fourth off the board behind Baez, Altuve, and Whit Merrifield. You, my friend, have him number one ahead of Keston Hira, Jeff McNeil. I'm loving this top three already because this is why I like projections. It's not the standard way of life. And Cattell Marte, what I, he just finally did it. This is a guy at prospect in the Mariner system and, and has never panned out. What's your thoughts on Cattell Marte? Is, does he have like another step that you think? Again, I know you watch a lot of these young guys. You, you've been scouting them and everything. What's your thoughts on Marte? Uh, 
first thought on Marte is that a lot of people are going to look at his home run total and think it's a fluke. This guy's got serious raw power. Like, he ain't a big guy, and he's not someone you look at that you think has the raw power, but, man, he can hit. Um, I had him – have him taking a step back a little bit in home runs. I have him at 28, and I have 15 stolen bases. Um, I believe at the end of the season he started to run more, and he hasn't been thrown out much on the base pass, so I think the Diamondbacks will let him run a little bit more next season. Um his contact-oriented profile is great, especially in today's game where it's hard to find batting average. Um, I got him right now at about 300 batting average and 14% strikeout rate. Um, I don't know if you saw my uh, my Twitter post, but I compared him and Altuve, and Marte had the better contact rate. He had the better chase rate. He had the better uh, fly ball rate. He had a better line drive rate. He had the... Um, more stolen bases this season, more home runs, better hard contact rate. I was like, I don't think there's any reason to draft Altuve ahead of Marte. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I, I in the two early mocks, Altuve's going 34th. It's only four picks ahead of Marte. Um, and there's actually League Two drafted Marte one pick before. League Three drafted him six picks before Altuve. Um, and then Altuve went ahead in the other ones. But I'm with you. It, it feels like to me, there's the Altuve group that's kind of, okay, this guy's been consistent for so long, so on and so forth. And there's guys like me, yourself, and others that see what Marte is. He's not just a shiny new toy. He's actually a very, very good young ball player. And the, the, the thing you mentioned also with Altuve, the stolen bases, I think I've never done a full breakdown of it. I looked at it real quickly uh, last night. The Astros as a team, I think, are like the bottom third or just below the bottom half in stolen bases when it felt like they used to run a ton. Uh, Springer doesn't run. Altuve doesn't run. Bregman doesn't run. Correa doesn't run. So on and so forth. They don't run like they used to. It's almost like they have so much power on that team. It's just, we're going to get on bloop and blast all day long. We're not going to run into outs, which I get it when you have the power like they do. Sure. But Altuve's value, what he once was compared to what he's going to keep being, he might have good average. He might score runs, but the power might decrease. The steals aren't going to quite be there. So a guy like uh, Cattell Marte makes too much sense. Heck, a guy like Keston Hira jumped on the scenes this year. What differentiates you from Cattell Marte and Keston Hira going into 2020? Uh, the the contact, the ability to make consistent contact. Um, I think as Herrera sees more major league pitching, he'll probably improve his uh, contact rate. But right now it's at 66%, which is like not Gallo-esque, Judge. It's like Judge. It's around that level. Um, but he's another guy. Um, until this season, wasn't hitting much in the power department. But after seeing these exit velocities he's had at the major league level, the dude's a monster. Um, the, the, his ability to hit the ball hard will help his bat bit. It'll help him hit home runs. And I been pleasantly surprised with how many stolen bases he's got at the major league level. He wasn't really seen as a speedster, but he's uh, got nine stolen bases right now and only 295 plate appearances. So a guy that can hit 30 home runs, steal you 15 stolen bases and be a 270 hitter is really valuable. Um, And someone I'm definitely watching um, his ADP in these early mock drafts. Yeah. I I was curious because again, it's like, I'll say it a lot. The shiny new toy is, 
some of these early drafts, people want these young guys because they're awesome, and some deserve it, some not so much. Hero deserves it. He's going around pick 60 or so, but that'll be fun. You, you look at your rankings, there's a lot of really good second basemen towards the top. A couple guys that kind of stood out that not being as high as I might have guessed they were, but maybe I'm, I'm seeing more. Like, you have Jonathan VR down here as your 19th second baseman off the board. Uh, what is it you think that maybe the projections aren't seeing here that we know he we, we did this once in Milwaukee, then it didn't happen the next year. He gets traded to Baltimore the following year with Baltimore was great. All this season has been great with Baltimore. Should be in Baltimore next year, barring a trade again. What is it that maybe they're seeing that, that we should be worried about? Um, Still, he's improved it a little bit, but he's still more of a ground ball hitter. So I think his home runs take a little bit of a dip. I got him at 18. I could see him hitting 20. Um. He, he's not for a guy that's stolen as many bases as he has he's not super fast if you look at his sprint speed um he's above average certainly but uh i believe he's more around the 75 percentile which his totals you would think he'd be like 90th um so that kind of worries me a little bit and uh he plays on the orioles so that's not really a team that's going to hit in runs and uh, let's see, what else? Um, and his batting average, he's a not a really contact-oriented guy. So if his 344 bat bit takes a little bit of a dip, it's going to hurt you. Um, and he was, he was part of those guys that I was talking about earlier that when you compare him to like a 15-team player radio like this one is, it yeah. shows as values down because – He's not going to get the runs. He's not going to get the RBIs. And this projection system doesn't like him because it's got him at a 247 batting average, which is way below the average. Um, All right. Last guy I'm going to ask you about here. Uh, the two early blocks, he's the 26th second baseman off the, off the board. He's only gone in League One at pick 223. I believe that was my pick, actually, now thinking back on it. Uh, when we look at your deal, he's the 21st second baseman off the board. Only been up a little while, but Nick Solak has been playing outstanding. Um, I understand if, the, if their projections aren't all there with him, but do you think that he could outperform these projections because what we're seeing is really good or is just a hot streak and the projections are more what we should expect for next year with Nick Solak? Oh, I could see him outproducing what I have for him right now. Um, have him for 23 home runs, 10 stolen bases. Uh, the stolen base thing, that's just – it's hard to project. Um, right now he hasn't been running much, but in the minors he liked to run a lot, so he could be a 2020 guy. Um, but my fear with him is uh, the contact. He doesn't make a consistent amount of contact to be like – he's not a bad contact hitter, but he is a below average one. And uh, that's really going to hurt his batting average. I got him at 310 bat bit, which is above average, and that'll put him at a 251 batting average. But I think he's a good sleeper, and I'm really hoping the Rangers see that he is better than Rubnet Odor. Because um, the Rangers seem to love Odor, but Solak has really impressed me. Um, he is a heavy ground ball hitter, but. I want to see. I want to see the shiny new toy, as you say. I I'm tired of Odor's 200 batting average. 
yeah, he needs to be out there. If it's second base, third base, wherever, get Solak on the field. The guy's too darn good to be, to, to be sitting behind Ruben and Odor. It's crazy. And hopefully this month of September's production will, will, will change them going into the next season. Let's head to the hot corner. Uh, according to two early mocks, it goes Arenado, Bregman, J-Ram, Devers, Rendon, picks 9 through 21. So a lot of uh, – third baseman's just super deep in general, but the big four are there. Um, our big five, I should say. Your big five go Bregman, J-Ram, Devers, Rendon, Arenado. I like it. I like it's the same big five. I like how it's mixed around a little bit. I like how your projections don't just go, hey, Nolan Arenado's in Coors Field. He needs to go really high. Um, it's giving J-Ram the love after a slow start, great finish, then the injury happened. It's kind of buying into Rafael Devers being this consistently good young player. And then Rendon's a beast. Um do you have anything to say on these top five guys? Because personally, I don't think you can go wrong anyway. Your projections are all really close to each other when it comes to these big five. Uh, any thoughts on them? Yeah, people want to fight me on uh, where I have these guys ranked. But I'm like, oh, honestly, in the overall, they're all basically like top 15 players. It, it, they're all really close together. Um, Arenado, the thing with him is the runs and RBI equation isn't factoring in Coors. Um, something I've never thought of until this offseason is Coors not only affects the player like Arenado we're looking at, but it affects the players around him. So it'll give the players around him more of an opportunity to get on base and hit Arenado in. So that will inflate his runs and RBIs. And I hadn't accounted for that in years past. No, that's 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 a very, very good point with that. The guy you have right below the big five, and this is going to be exciting to see where the hype train comes, you'll probably have a good preseason. Like I said, the big five are going picks nine through 21 on, on the two early mocks, but then you drop 13, 14 picks to pick 34. It's the Vladito. You have him just below Arenado when you look at the player rater evaluations. Like in reality, Vlad should be, it should be a top six, not a top five based on your projections. Are you thinking, you know, everyone was hyped up on him, taking him in the third round in drafts this year. Do you think this next year, the hype we had this year, I know this is getting tongue-tied, will be what he really does next year, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I said something last offseason where I think where you will lose the most value and gain the most value is both with prospects. Because when we were drafting Eloy and Vlad and stuff, we were drafting them super high up. But then, like, think about Peter Alonso and Tatis falling. Um yeah. People were hating on Vlad this year, but I'm like, he's what, eight, not 18, he's uh, 20 years old? Yeah, 20, and I think, 20, 21, yeah. He still had a really good season for a 20-year-old. I mean, the dude has a, oops, okay, dude has a 274 batting average, 347 on base, and a four or 452 slugging. Dude's younger than me, and he's doing that at the major league level. That is crazy. Um, he's hits the ball. We've seen him hit the ball really hard at the major league level. I do believe I saw something about him and breaking pitches, but he's still young, and his contact rate isn't terrible. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, he's going to be a 300 hitter. It might not be next season or the season after, but by the time he's 25, I see a 300 season in him and if he can improve that fly ball rate he might be a 40 45 home run guy 
I mean, this is a guy I'm willing to bet on because this is pedigree right here. This guy is insanely good. Yeah, no, he's very, very good. So uh, I'm curious to see if what the hype train does going in through spring and everything for those those drafts next year. I could see him moving up there and making it really interesting. A couple others here, like Yoan Moncada, really started taking that next step this year. You have him as your eighth third baseman. Uh, Chris Bryant is all the way down to 14. Eugenio Suarez having a big year is down to 15. Uh, what is it with uh, Bryant and Suarez that maybe – we need to take a step back and not get so hyped on like Bryant's having an up and down year again. Yes. But Suarez is going to maybe hit 50 home runs this year. Yeah. I, a lot of people uh, keep asking me about Suarez. Um, I think I've already had like 10 people say something to me about it. Um, <laughs> I know he's hit more home runs this season and since he's a great place to hit home runs, but his hard contact rate has dropped 5% since last season that is a pretty big drop in hard contact still at 40 percent 40 percent is still well now 40 percent is around league average which i think is just bananas um but he still hits the ball really hard he's gonna have a decent bat bib and i got him at a 24 percent strikeout rate he's good i don't think he's elite i have him rank at like 90th overall in my rankings and that that's just who he is he's good but I don't think he's elite yet. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit of decline in the home run department, but I think he's still a 30, 35 home run guy. Um, is there anybody else that stood out to you when you're breaking these down? Like you got Miguel Sano down there at 27. Um, Yandy Diaz, before he got hurt, was having a decent year. Gio Urshela, Brian Anderson's down at 35. Is there anybody that really stands out to you that maybe you could see taking a jump up? J.D. Davis is even at 17, stuff like that. Uh, Ty France is uh, Mike Moustakas Jr. Yeah, he's a beast. He's a power beast. I see. Like, I don't think the bat bit that we saw in the minor leagues is going to be there. I see him, like, as a below average bat bit, bat bit player, more likely. But he's got some power, and his profile is literally almost identical to Moustakas. Padres, as we mentioned before, are really good, and it's hard to find playing time there. But if he gets it, he's a pretty good deep waiver wire ad yeah no doubt about it uh let's head over to shortstop now two early mocks has it Lindor, story bregman trey turner adalberto tatis baez bogarts machado vr another deep deep position when we look at your rankings it's Lindor, bregman story xander trey got Cattell Marte up there you have carlos correa at eight i'm gonna ask you about him first are you buying into the bounce back because it's just a projections thing because I think there's going to be so many people that feel scorned by him in recent years that they're going to see the seventh ranked shortstop. And I'm not saying it's wrong because I was buying in again this year. We know the talents there. Just the health hasn't been. Are you buying back in on Carlos Correa? Or are you going to tweak this a little bit? Um, well, I'll say for this isn't the rankings. We're just going off the, uh, the player, player, player Raider. Yeah. Um, but I'm buying back into him. Um, the question is, uh, health, of course, but when he's healthy, he's a fantastic baseball player. Dude has the potential to hit 40 home runs and have a 300 batting average. And I got him at the 69th overall pick in the two early mock. I'll take that. I know he's got the injury risk, but if you're giving me that upside at that pick, I'm fine with it. Um, so the, oh, sorry. Continue. 
No, you're good. I was just going to say, um, I was going to mention also a guy that's fallen because of health who dropped, and I can't believe this, he dropped to 170 in our league is Corey Seager. Really? Yeah, I was like, that's a, if that's where Corey Seager is going next year. I'm going to have all Corey Seager. Yeah, he's, his, his ADP is 137 right now. He went 150 in my league. He's gone as low as 174, as high as one, or someone took him at seven, at seven, 69, but the rest were 120 and above. So that would be a big one. You mentioned Corey Seager. His teammate, Gavin Lux, has an ADP of 162.7. He's gone as high as 123, as low as 182. And you currently have him, or the player reader has him 12th overall. Um, he's two behind Corey Seager, right, right behind Glaber Torres. We saw what Gavin Lux did in the minors this year, and he's picked it up. He finally went deep the other day. The hit tool looks pretty decent. What's your thoughts on Gavin Lux next year? Because he's kind of like that prospect. We get a little taste of him, but now we can draft him. Is he going to be that guy for us? I mean, this is a really good projection for him. I think the craziest thing is this is nowhere near his ceiling. Um, I want to get more data on him, more major league data, and see what that says. But this guy, worst case scenario, and worst case scenario, I think it's a 260 hitter and hits 25 home runs and steals 10 bases. Best case scenario, he hits 300, hits 30-something home runs, and steals like 20 bases. I mean, I'm so interested to see what Lux does. And I mean, he tore up the minor leagues this year. That that was just stupid what he did. Yeah, it, it was wild what he did there in the minor leagues. A couple other youngsters you have down here. You have Nico Horner for the Cubs, who's made his debut recently at 21 on the list. And Wander Franco is at 23. Wander Franco is crushing it in the minors. I think he's like the minor league player of the year, one of the top minor league players out there. There's a chance we see him early next year, but he might be that guy come draft time like like Vlad or something or Acuna the year before. Is Do you draft him hoping you see him soon or not? What's your thoughts on Horner and uh, Franco going into the next season? With Franco, I kind of just projected it just to be safe because sometimes there's, you know, that surprise prospect that you didn't think would have the ETA and then he gets up there. So I wanted to have my projection ready on him so I know what I'm getting into. Um, but Franco, I think if he got called up right now, I think he's a above average hitter in the major league level. Um I really like the contact-oriented skill. I don't know how the power will play yet. Um, the power projection, I think that's something that will probably come as it comes up the uh, minor leagues, but dude's a beast. I mean, I remember seeing a split between his and Guerrero's stats at, like, rookie ball and A ball, and they're almost identical. Um, I'm really excited to see what Franco does. I don't think he gets called up next year but wanted to have the projection in there just in case um, something weird happens um horner on the other hand i i like it um i will caution people i don't know if the power is going to be there yet um i believe this guy could be a 20 home run guy but i don't know if it's going to be there this season or next season i can't tell you when but He's got some decent raw power. He's a contact-oriented guy. And at his peak, he's probably hitting 300 and has potential to hit 20 home runs. Yeah, that doesn't suck. Um, Javi Baez, he's the seventh guy going off the board in two early mocks. 
ADP 26 and a half. According to the player Raider here, Javi Baez is the 14th shortstop off the board in between Tim Anderson and Bo Bichette. Um, I wasn't buying into Javi this last year. He proved me wrong again before he got hurt. I kind of want to feel like I have to buy into him, but what are we seeing? What's the player Raider seeing that's telling us maybe we should take a step back? Have you ever looked at the Cubs expected stats on like baseball savant? It's, and then it's like, not, it's not pretty. It's all of them. Contreras, Brian, uh, Baez, they're batting, like their career batting average and what it's supposed to be is like 20 points better than their expected batting average. Um, Baez really scares me. A lot of swing and miss swings out of the zone a lot. And the thing we don't factor in with guys that swing out of the zone a lot is the disparity between their soft contact and hard contact rates is a lot smaller than a guy with average to above average uh, play discipline, which makes sense because you're making contact on a ball out of the zone. You're likely not hitting it. Um, how like you're not going to get a great contact if you're swinging that ball five feet out of the zone. It's just, just how it is. Um, so taking that into account, it sees a decline in his bat bip that's already supposed to decline. Um, and if his bat bip declines, he's not a great, he's not very disciplined hitter. So that means he's getting on base less, which means his stolen base totals decline as well. So when you factor all that in, he's still a very good hitter, but probably not the top three, four round guy we want him to be. Okay. That's uh, that's, that's very good. Their last one is, Adalberto Montes, he takes quite a hit. I know his average isn't great, Babbitt, and all that good stuff. Is that kind of the main factors there? Or is this one of those where it maybe doesn't appreciate the steals that he provides? A little bit of both. Um, I would, I think Mondesi with his raw skills, I think he's a 20 home run guy. But playing in Kansas City, um, when I ran the ballpark factors, Kansas City is like one, I think it's one of the three worst ballparks, I believe is what it told me. Um, but so that's going to take a hit on his home run total. And he's the same thing with Baez, very undisciplined hitter, swings out of the zone a lot. Right now he has a 350 bat bib. I, I, I doubt he has a 350 bat bib next season. Um, I still think he has above average bat bib. I got him at 325, but I also got him at a 28% strikeout rate, which is going to bring his batting average down to 246 which makes him a sub 300 on base percentage guy, which then affects all of his other numbers. And then you factor in the lineup he has around him. There's not going to be many guys to hit him in. I mean, maybe Solaire, but that's about it. Okay. Now that makes a lot of sense there. Let's head to the outfield. You got Trout, Yellick, Belly, Acuna fourth on this list. Just out of curiosity with Yellick's knee injury, are you going to factor that? Like, how do you think that might change your projections? I, yeah, I was thinking about that today. Um, I think I'll move Acuna up to the second spot, but I might leave Yelich at three. Um, I'm going to see what the news is this offseason. We're going to see how that plays out. But if he's supposed to come back healthy, uh, start next season, I'm probably just going to move him down a spot and put Acuna a little bit higher than him. Um I mean, Yelich is a guy that's had like a 50% hard contact rate almost every season in the major leagues, um, which is insane. And then he started elevating the ball more this season. 
Um, he did take a hit in contact rate, but if he's hitting the ball in the air more, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, I know that makes he's, – he's a beast. He's proven uh, everybody wrong over time there. Uh, we could talk outfield forever, so I'll just name a couple guys, some of the younger guys maybe. Like Jordan Alvarez has burst onto the scene this year and just crushed baseballs all over the place. Player Raider has him as 10. When you look at the two early mocks, on the other hand, Jordan is the 11th off the board, so pretty darn close there. I'm assuming you're expecting big things. And what about his teammate, Kyle Tucker, who you have at 17? What do you think the Astros outfield duo looks like next year? I mean, this season I thought they would play Tucker over Reddick, but I was wrong there. But next season, I think it's Brantley, Springer, Tucker in the outfield, and then Alvarez at DH. Kyle Tucker's got the Nate Lowe problem. They just don't want to play him for whatever reason. They have a really talented young star, and they just, for whatever reason, don't want him in their lineup. But um, I'm expecting big things from both. Both will have a little bit concerning strikeout rates, but how hard they hit the ball and what their bat fit should be, you're not going to worry too much about it. Um, Tucker, I've seen Tucker be drafted like around pick 100. So right now I might be off just because of, I don't know what the Astros are going to do next season, but if they give him a full-time starting job, then Tucker around 120, 100 seems like a perfectly fine spot. Yeah, the two early mocks, he's about pick 139. So I think 120-ish will probably be more like it once we get to it next year. Right below Tucker, you have Franchi Cordero and Louis Robert. Or Robert, I don't know exactly how he says it. I've heard many different versions of it. But uh, Fran- Franchi's a guy I love, just never got the, the playing time. Robert is crushing it in the minors. Do you think those guys have, have an impact in 2020 that makes them quite draft viable? Uh, the Padres, again, the Padres outfield might eat up a little bit of Franchi Cordero's playing time. But I can make the case that Franchi Cordero, Cordero has uh, some top five, if not top ten, raw power in the league right now. Dude just mashes balls. And this season, it's a small sample size, but over the minor leagues and major leagues, he's hit more fly balls than ground balls, which he's never done before, and that was his major problem with the power. So if he's hitting the ball in the air more with his raw power, this dude could be a 40 home run threat if he has a playing time. And he's got the speed to steal 20 bases. The problem is um, with his home runs and his extra base hits, he may not get the stolen base opportunities you'd like. But if you got a guy that can be a 250, 40 home run guy and steal 10 bases, I'm, that's very valuable. Yeah, no, I could see that being pretty good. What about Louis Robert? What do you got on him? Robert just tore up the minor leagues. I think he got minor league player of the year by from someone. Um, he's got he's one of the few guys that has like 30-30 potential. Um, tremendous raw power. There is some swing and miss, and he is very aggressive. But with his pedigree, you might want to stash him. Um, I think the White Sox will probably wait to call him up, but not too long. We'll probably see him after like the first month or so because that outfield is not very good besides Eloy. 
Yeah, no, it's pretty rough. They'll, they'll use him quite nicely there. Uh, Aristis Aquino is your 23rd outfielder on the player Raider, having a monster, you know, month or so since he's been up. Is this viable or are we going to see something kind of bring him back to reality next year come draft season? Because, you know, right now you look at those two early mocks and people are buying into Aquino. He's going to pick 118 overall right now. Yeah, I've seen him. He's going around like from anywhere between pick 80 to pick 130, which honestly, I think I'm fine with it. Um, it's, a, it's kind of like a boomer bust pick right here. Uh, the raw power is there. He's got a very high pull percentage. He plays in a nice hitter's park. So I don't, I don't doubt the power. It's going to be there. Um, I do, however, doubt the batting average. Um, I got him at 250. Uh, he has a lot of swing and miss, but I think with his exit velocities, he'll be an above average bat pit hitter. And uh, he has some speed too. He had the same thing Cordero has though, where he hits a lot of extra base hits to the lot of home runs. So he's not going to have the stolen base opportunities, but I, I think he can steal eight base, bases next season too. Which would be a nice plus for sure. Uh, last guy I'll ask you about, because there's many we could, you have Starling Mar- Marte down at 31 on the player radar. This is a guy I always say he doesn't get the respect he deserves come draft day. He's uh, going around pick 30 on the two early mocks. He's just a consistent power speed guy. I, I-, I can understand if there's an argument that he plays for the Pirates and PNC. I get it. But is there more to that that the uh, the, the projections are seen to be concerned about Starling Marte? Um, yeah. PNC is a very big part of it. Um, does not like many hitters uh playing in that ballpark and i've got him at 23 home runs and 28 stolen bases he's kind of stopped running less and less uh, each season so um i don't think he's going to be the 30 stolen base guy anymore but i think he mid to high 20s is fine um i also have him at a 270 batting average uh I think we see his strikeout rate rise a little bit. I think it's going to be more closer to 20% than the 16% it is this season. Um, So when I factor all that in, it shows that Marte is still very good, but uh, maybe not the elite level. But I've also been like a stalling Marte hater for like the past four years. So There's, There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, trust me. So no worries with that. Uh, we'll We'll talk a little pitching here. It's really tough to kind of really get into it with it as much as it is like you have Scherzer, Sale, Cole, Snell, DeGrom, Verlander, Clevenger, Kershaw. It's kind of all the things you'd expect. I guess some that kind of stand out to me a little bit is you had, um, you had Jack Flaherty a little farther down the list. What's your thoughts on Flaherty? Um, I actually really like him, And in my rankings, I think I have him like 11th overall. Um, I believe he's throwing that slider more at the end of the season, he started throwing that slider more and people just haven't been able to hit it. Uh, I do believe his walk rate will go up a little bit to more around 9%, but uh, I still think he's going to be around a 30% strikeout guy and uh, not give up too many home runs. So I still think he's very valuable. Got him at a 335 ERA right now. Okay. Are there any other guys that kind of surprise you that maybe are higher up than you'd expect at first look at pitching? Because I figure you'll be doing some more uh, work on the pitching projections as you get some more of that data you were talking about earlier. Uh, I don't, I'm going to probably mispronounce his name, but Denilson Lamette. Um, yeah. 
the Raiders is he could possibly be the 25th overall starting pitcher next season. Um, and that's because I believe the strikeout rate is going to come into single digits, probably going to be a 30% strikeout guy. And uh, he's also going to have a relatively low bat bit due to his uh, fly ball tendencies. So I'm really excited on Lamette. I actually didn't draft him, um, but I got Griffin Canning as a uh, consolation prize. Yeah, that's not the worst consolation prize. It's not bad. Um, well, that'll that'll kind of wrap us up. I just want to have a little discussion on it. Is there any other um, kind of takeaways from this early look before you really dig in and make more changes mid mid uh, you know break here? Uh, any other kind of things that stood out to you that you saw when, when making these projections? Uh, not too much. Dylan Bundy interested me a lot. Dylan Bundy and Adrian Hauser, I'd say, are two of my starting pitcher targets. Um, yeah. Bundy started getting more ground balls later in the season, so I think he might be uh, the pitcher we wanted him to be next season. Really interested in what he can do. Nice. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I've been kind of pumping Bundy for a little bit here. I know it's always scary with Bundy, but he's been much better the last month or two of the season that uh, hopefully he can finally carry that over, you know, not going to say prospect pedigree finally coming true, but he wasn't always expected to be the dumpster fire he has been. So I think there's hope there at Hauser's strikeout rate. My goodness, it's been outstanding this season. So a lot to like there. Uh, before I let you go, Joe, why don't you let everybody know once again where they can find you and what you got coming up over at Fake Teams. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Joe Gentile FT on Twitter. Um, and then right now I'll probably just be when I'm not at school or working, I'll probably just be doing some rankings. And then, uh, when we get closer to draft season, we'll do the, uh, position previews. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Everybody should go follow Joe on Twitter. Great follow. Lots of uh, good stuff going over there. Fake teams and all that goodness. But as always, Joe, thanks for joining me. We will do it again sometime. Oh, I love it. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bub, episode 211, talking some 2020 projections with Joe Gentile of Fake Teams. Catch you guys later.